Blog Talk Radio. Let me tell you about something new. A new show called G's Power. G's Power. Real talk for real saints. Are you ready? And it's for real. Welcome to G's Power Hour live every weekday at 11.30 a.m. on Never Had It So Good Entertainment Network. Your host, G, will bring you informative and entertaining guests and a variety of topics in a way that you can absorb and enjoy. Listen in weekdays and call in at 516-387-1944. We love interaction. All shows can be downloaded if you miss one or found on iTunes the next day. G's Power Hour is powered by Never Had It So Good Sports Media Network. Hey, good morning, brothers and sisters, kings and queens, angels and saints, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to G's Power Hour on Never Had It So Good Entertainment. I am your host, G. Thanks so much for being with us today. This is the day the Lord has made. Uh, He gave me this day. Uh, I'm celebrating the day. So I'm not with you live, so there's no questions, but I'd rather, I'd not rather share it with, well, there's other people I'd like to share it with, but I'm glad to share it today with the mighty Princess Cooper, CEO of our network, and also my tech producer, and and just a good supporter of the show. You know, and, and good morning. How you doing? Good morning. I'm doing good. How about you? Good. I'm doing good. I'm I'm ready to celebrate. I'm going bowling tonight with some friends, and um, going to do some other things over the weekend. So I'm I'm just looking forward to kind of chilling for a, a little bit and doing some things that. I want to do that. I, I put off for a little bit. So yeah, well, do it while I, 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 can. I love that. Don't put it off. Do enjoy yeah. life. Enjoy life. Yeah, do it while I can. Y'all, yeah, do <laughs> stuff. I mean, don't go crazy, but do stuff when you can, while you can, when you can, because I mean, and one of the things that. I noticed as I was asking people, you know, come go bowling with me, and some people they're like, well, we'll come, we'll support you, but we can't really bowl. You know, and and as you get older, and sometimes you don't even have to wait till you get older. Th- older things happen to you. You know, life mm-hmm. happens. You got to remember, we're blessed in this age to be able to live as long as we do. You know, medical advancements, God's blessings, and all kind of stuff. Because we, you know, if you look back in time, life expectancy wasn't as long as it is now. But what comes with that is you're taxing your body and different things happen. You know, maybe, you know, we've extended past the time that we're really supposed to to have. But what, whatever's going on with you, make sure you take care of yourself, you know, just just do do your best to honor yourself and honor the gift that God gave you. But um, at the same time, you know, take some time out to relax and, and enjoy his blessings a little bit, so. But that's Amen. not what we're here to talk about today. <laughs> Thank you. We're here to talk about playoffs. Uh, we're here to talk about uh, the Super Bowl and, and some upcoming things. So tell me, is it what you expected, Princess? You know, Princess is the, uh, you know, the the network expert um, and more. Uh, she's been <laughs> on a variety of shows and stuff, called for her expertise. Sports is her thing. So, um is it where are the players in it who you expected? 
unfortunately, this is how I thought it would play out. I think for the most part, the Eagles proved themselves around week six or seven to probably be the best team um, in the NFL on the NFC side for sure. Um, they were mm-hmm. seven and zero. Oh. I, I think they end up being fourteen and three. Um, they they hit a rough patch, um, and mm-hmm. when Jalen Hurts got hurt and. Um, they lost a few games there, but mm-hmm. I think I've, in, in my experience, and I've been watching football a long time, um, I remember the 72 Dolphins, um, but I always <laughs> think that if you are successful um, in any journey, you got to have a little rough, rough patch and get through that and have mm-hmm. a couple of losses so that you know what that feels like so you don't want to go back there anymore. And um, that played out. The Eagles played the San Francisco 49ers on Championship Sunday, and Championship Sunday means this is the championship games for both um, conferences. The AFC had Mm -hmm. the Bills and the Chiefs, and the NFC had the Eagles and the 49ers. Now, I did not expect for the 49ers to lose Brock Purdy, to an elbow injury and then to lose their backup, Jason Johnson, I think is his name, to a concussion. And they were playing Mm -hmm. their running back at quarterback. You know, um, the game got out of hand really, really early, and it became an easy watch for Eagles fans really early. Um, Now, being a Dallas Cowboy fan um, and you have an Eagles fan in your house, you you know, no, 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 you don't have to say (laughs) you poor thing. We're sitting on five um, Super Bowl championships. You don't have to say poor thing. Um, but now, if you, well, you know what? I, I think in a way, and I say this to a lot of people because I'm sensible, um, I sometimes, oftentimes question uh, my like and fandom for the Cowboys because of the ownership. Mm-hmm. And um, <clears throat> despite of that, I still root for them and hope that they change ownership because I know what we have at that. But um, yeah. the Eagles are back there. Um, last year they were – wondering what Jalen Hurts was going to do and if he was the answer. I think they have their answer to that. He is the answer. Um, and on the other side, the Bengals and the Chiefs are um, were the last two standing. I didn't know if the Bengals would be there, but I thought the Chiefs were. And Patrick Mahomes and Joe Burles went at it, and um, Patrick Mahomes had a high ankle sprain, and he weathered that storm, weathered that game, and they um, he won in um, regular in regular. Um, play in the fourth quarter on the last play of field goal. Um, and so it's about where I thought it would be, for sure. I mm-hmm. think they got got it right. It's the best two teams, I think, in the NFL, the Kansas City Chiefs and Jalen Hurts. And for the first time, we have two um, African-American quarterbacks that will be in the Super Bowl. Um, I want to talk to you about a couple of things. Something that you, you kind of alluded to about um, having adversity and stuff. One, um, I think the Eagles may have gotten comfortable and that, you know, because they were, you know, was it, I think, was it, were they 11 and something? And then they started losing these games. And I think, you know, they got a little comfortable and I think that's where, the the losses started to come in and, and you know, they may have been, thought, okay, one is a fluke and then they had another one and like, okay, it's time to wake up again and get serious about playing um, and not take it for granted that we're going to, you know, win this thing, you, you know, and, and, and capture it all. 
But the other thing you mentioned is about dealing with adversity. And um, Tom Brady came out and spoke about that a little bit about with regard to his kids and wanting them to know that, you know, you're not going to win all the time. Everything's not going to go right all the time. And he wanted them to uh, learn how to deal with adversity. And I was just thinking in general, I I personally think that that is part of some of the problem that we're dealing with, not just in football, but as a whole. We We try to shelter our kids and keep them from dealing with adversity um, and don't realize that there are benefits from, you know, having to face that. It, it strengthens yeah. you. It makes you a little tougher. It gives you awareness and a sense of purpose in terms of, okay, how do I manage this? This is not what I expected. This is not what I wanted, you know, and so what is really supposed to happen at this point? And it gives you time to reassess and then move on. You know, because uh, otherwise, you know, you you kind of living in in a a bubble, so to speak. You know, I mean, and it's not that you're not supposed to have um, more good times than bad, but you're supposed to have something that kind of makes you reevaluate and really reassess and make and, you know help you make sure whether or not you're on the right path or that you have to kind of uh, correct it. You know. Um, yeah, two things here, Gretchen. I, I think you're correct. Our parents, and, and we came from the era where, you know, our, our parents talked about how we needed to do to give out 150% more in order to mm-hmm. um, maybe, you know, it, succeed against our white counterpart. But they also said that even if you sit still and do the right thing every day and try to live right and honor God, trouble is still mm-hmm. coming in your life. Oh, yeah. And, and, and we must prepare for that in our own way and, and handle it. It's not what happens to you is what you do when it does happen to you and how you get up. The other thing, though, is that the Eagles, um, I, I don't know if I saw complacency. They, you're in the NFL, and you're going to lose. You, you know, everybody's a professional, and they all plan to play a game, and any team can beat you on any day. Um, and But the Eagles had a two-game losing streak because they lost their quarterback, and that shoulder was definitely giving him trouble, and they set him out because they realized that if we want him for the playoff run, which it was definitely they were headed there at that time, um, then we got to go ahead and sit him now and let him recover from this. So I, I think that's where I don't know if that Eagles team got complacent. I thought their front office made the right moves. I thought that um, the players came together, gelled in practice, and you could see they had themselves a winning formula, um, you know, midway during the season. So um, mm-hmm. I, I don't I don't want to slight them on that, but they lost their quarterback. Okay. And, <clears throat> you know, mm-hmm. and, and that happens. Now I want to talk about the team that, that – frustrates me but I, I still love them um but because i want to talk about what you mentioned about um ownership but i had a conversation with uh my husband about the tampa bay buccaneers um mm-hmm. and my think and i was telling him that i was thinking that maybe they needed a change of ownership or ownership needed a wake-up call because i told him i said most of the coaches have not lasted much past two years and he's like nah so I just, as we were speaking, pulled up um, something that talks that has a list of the coaches and how long they last. The first coach 
Don McKay, the the very first mm-hmm. coach, lasted nine years. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, the rest of and then the others that have lasted almost as long has been Tony Dungy. Yeah, Tony um, Dungy who lasted, lasted six well. years, and John mm-hmm. Gruden, who lasted seven years. And I say Dungy set Gruden up for the Super Bowl victory. I, I, I stick by that. <laughs> uh, Dungy set Gruden up for the Super Bowl victory. Um, you know, he he got the team into shape, and then um, Gruden came in and just, you know, kind of took it over. And, and, you know, I'm not saying Gruden didn't have skills or talent, but I'm just saying I think Dungy set him up for his success with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. But then if you look at the rest of the coaches, um, two years, four years, two years, four years, three years, two years, two years, three years, three years, and then Ty Bowles is one, and, and we don't know what's going to happen with that. Um, I, I, it, do you think it's – that they're not letting do you how long first of all do you think it takes for a coach to prove themselves with an NFL team that's number one number two do you think that they're you know maybe they've been faulty in a lot of their selections uh or they just haven't been patient enough to let the coach prove themselves whoever it's been well, let me go back and say uh, ownership doesn't change much. That that those thirty-two teams um, will keep those ownerships, and if there is an ownership change, it has to be voted on by the bulk of the other owners and get a percentage. Um, if you're going to be oh, a new really? owner in this, yes. So if you're going to be an owner, you just can't say, "Okay, I want to buy the team." You actually have to be voted in by the rest of the owners and get a percentage of the vote, or you're not in. So really? and the only new yes ma'am yes ma'am the okay <laughs> that's what I'm asking um, you okay. <laughs> yeah and um, the new ownership that we have now is is the Denver Broncos have a new ownership and that particular owner passed away and um, mm-hmm. and then they the wife wanted to sell the team and Condoleezza Rice is a minority owner with the Denver Broncos but um, oh. let me. Let me go back to your original statement. That is the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I don't, I don't know if there's a formula for how long you should keep a coach, um, you know, but I do feel um, that it shouldn't be one year or two years. That That's just my personal preference. I don't think it should be that, you know, just that limited time for sure. The Houston mm-hmm. Texans are on. Um, had three straight one-year coaches, all African-Americans, um, that they let go in one year. Lovey Smith being the last one, they just let go after one year. And now they just had another African-American coach, D'Amico Ryan. Um, but he played for the Texans at one time, and his wife is from Houston, so they're headed back. But I don't know if mm-hmm. there's a formula. I think Tampa Bay had some rough patches. I, you know, they kept John McKay, and John McKay had a you know a season where he didn't win one game. You know, so mm-hmm. I, um, I, I think you have to have an ownership um, that is patient. And But when you see it not going the right way, then you want to make a change. And what we don't see and don't know is what is going on behind the scenes in the front office um, with the GM, with the owner, and with the head coach. And those three do have to be in sync um, and have the same vision in mind. And when it doesn't, you make a change. Um, 
I know we root for our teams, and but the, the history is the history. And when I say that, um, your team is not going to head to the Super Bowl every year. Your team is oh. not going to be, you know, win the division every year. The perfect storm, though, is that Tom Brady wanted to change from the Patriots. Um, he found a team in the Tampa Bay Buccaneers that really had a lot of pieces in place, and that is, is that they had a good wide receiver and they had a pretty good offensive line. And then he was able to add to that and say, hey, Gronkowski, come on and come out of retirement and, and join me. And the defense was already stout. So it was a perfect storm for Tom Brady and how he made, you know, he handled that and took it all the way to a Super Bowl. Amazing. Just a, a, a um, I don't know, a Cinderella amazing year. But those things will happen, and I don't know if we should blame ownership. Maybe the one thing that you said that I like is that sometimes we don't pick the right person, and um, and sometimes you don't hire the right person. And you have to quickly make a decision to go in a different direction because you have millions, millions of dollars at stake, millions mm-hmm. of dollars. So I think sometimes you have to go in a different direction. Yeah. <clears throat> now you mentioned Lovey Smith, who had been mm-hmm. to the Super Bowl twice. You know, you would think that okay, this person has some potential that we could work with, uh, um, and maybe they'll get us there. You know, but you know, after two years, he was gone, and I, I think no. you mentioned he's gone after again. Yeah, I, you know, so I don't know what's going on with that, but oh, you, you know, know that's right. I you do know Lucky Smith, and you're correct. I'm saying one, but yeah, he was with Tampa only two years, and and that's yes. amazing to me because he drafted Jameis Winston, and that seemed like it was going to be a good match, a good setup. But um, in two years he was gone. But I, I really do feel that for the most part, um, coaches don't get, you know. Um, a, a lot of patience, but I really do think African American head coaches really don't get a whole lot of patience, um, you know, for whatever reason, and, and that's a whole other show by itself. But um, yeah, uh, I forgot that Lovey Smith was at Tampa and drafted yeah. very well with um, mm-hmm. with Jameis Winston and that whole crew. Yeah. So, so um, I, I have to ask you about one person, and then we're we're going to move on, but. Um, uh, I'm, I, I like Byron Leftwich. Um, I'm sorry to see him go. I, I don't know what happened uh, behind the scenes. I know, of course, there you know there's issues and stuff like that. How do you determine though, you know, in all of this, what what the I guess the weakest link is in in a team in a, uh, with the coaching staff? Well, I'm sad to see here or to see where Brian Leftwich was let go. I, I think yeah, me too. The, the, the offensive scheme was what it was, and I, and I th- thought this was a tough year for Tom Brady. Um, he didn't, it was not the smooth year. He didn't have the weapons. He didn't have the offensive line. Some got hurt. Some moved on to a different team. So he didn't come he didn't back have with the, the same nucleus. Um, <clears throat> yeah, and that's his own fault. You know, so yeah, um, but I mean, he's gonna, people people um, are not trying trying to acknowledge that uh, that a personal life does and can impact your professional life. I mean, not everybody is good at compartmentalizing. But I also think Gretchen, if it came to that point where he and his wife got a divorce, he hadn't had his wife for a long time. 
once you mm-hmm. <laughs> once you get to separation, um, that wasn't the first year that he didn't have his wife. That means they've been having trouble, you know. Mm-hmm. And I think that that the trouble led him to um, retiring the first time um, because that's what she mm-hmm. wanted, but that's not what mm-hmm. he wanted. So you mm-hmm. know, there was relationship trouble. Um, before that, but um, yeah. you're right. He didn't. He didn't have that that stability in his relationship, and you know, and and that does does hurt uh, when you don't have the right mindset um, when you go to work every day. I, I agree with you, but um, you know, talk. You know, um, I don't. I can't remember what what the original question was, except for. Um, Byron Lethwich, that's that's it, Byron Lethwich. Byron had a chance to leave, you know, the, the Buccaneers. He had a chance to be the head coach with the Jacksonville Jaguars, and he turned it down because they mm-hmm. wanted to pick his coaching staff. They wanted to pick mm-hmm. his staff. They didn't want him. They went. So I don't I don't blame him. So now here mm-hmm. we are where he's being fired. I think he's a scapegoat. At at best he's mm-hmm. a scapegoat. Um yeah. because the offense was was you know, the people there the injuries and the performance of Tom Brady is not Byron Westwood's fault. I thought he put him in the best situations he could, and then he mm-hmm. was the scapegoat um, for sure. So who needs coaches now, and do you think Byron has a chance to get one of those positions? Um, no, I don't think Byron has a chance to be a head coach. I don't think he's interviewed mm-hmm. like he did a couple of years ago. Um, left now is Arizona. They're still looking for a head coach, the Colts and the Indianapolis Colts, who has had a second interview with Jeff Saturday. Um, the Texans have hired their coach and um, in D'Amico Ryans, who was defensive coordinator, African-American young man, out of San Francisco with the 49ers. So the Texans have hired theirs, and the Broncos have made an announcement that they have come to an agreement with Sean Payton, um, who was a former New Orleans head coach. Mm -hmm. Um, So he is going to be with the Broncos. And the um, Carolina Panthers announced last week Frank Wright, the head coach that was fired with the Colts this year now is a new head coach for the Carolina Panthers. Hmm. Okay. All right. So what, what are your thoughts in terms of the upcoming Super Bowl? Well, the Super Bowl is the Eagles versus um, the Chiefs. And as a Dallas Cowboy fan from the NFC East, I will not be rooting for the Philadelphia Eagles. Um, and I'm sorry. so that <laughs> that puts me with the, the Kansas City Chiefs. I, I think it's going to be a good um, good matchup. Uh, my only concern is that you know Patrick Mahomes is still suffering with that high yes. ankle sprain, although being having two weeks off will really help that. Um, but he also lost. Uh, a couple of wide receivers, and I don't know their status on coming back, and a couple of defensive players. I don't know their status. If everything is where it is on paper and in my mind, the Eagles should win that Super Bowl. But I, I'm holding out hope, and um, I will send up a prayer this Sunday and next Sunday and, and hoping that the, the Chiefs can, can do something with that. But um, it should be a good game. And yeah, like I said, the NFL got it right. Mm-hmm. It'll be a great game, and I love Patrick Mahomes, but um, the Eagles got this. So uh, <laughs> from a from a half eagle half eagles household sort of 
uh, okay. depending on, you know. But, um, oh, uh, one of the things I wanted to mention, by the way, with regards to uh, the Bucks, uh, I was looking at this, and Tony Dungy, by the way, was the only one that was elected into the uh, Pro Football Hall of Fame as a coach um, from the Bucks. Just wanted, only coach to be elected. Um, just wanted to note that. And also, he had one of the best records. I think the only, the only, per, the only coach that topped him in terms of the record wasn't even Gruden. It was uh, the recent coach before Todd, Bruce Aarons. Bruce was the only coach that topped him. Um, yeah. And, uh, but yeah, they, they, they need to kind of, I think there needs to be some adjustment up at the top with the ownership. And I think once that kind of gets adjusted, then I think maybe um, there just needs to be a little fresh air and it needs to be aired out a little bit. Something needs to happen. But in the meantime, I wanted to ask you about uh, the Pro Bowl, which is coming up this weekend. And I wanted to ask you, and you're, if you know, know basically how I got started, but not only that, I wanted to ask you, is it as significant as it used to be? Um, well, Gretchen, I think that the past few years in watching the Pro Bowl, and, and one of the things that um, well, I thought was was appealing, that the Pro Bowl was always played in Hawaii. Um, and then these players, you know, after a while, said they got tired of going to Hawaii and trying to get their families over to Hawaii. Let's go ahead and spread it out and go from maybe some city to city. And I know the the one time that they broke away from that was they played in Orlando. That was the first time that they broke away from, you know, going to Hawaii. Um, so, but I think the complaint that has always been with the um, Pro Bowl and that actual game on Sunday is that it was a shadow of itself in a regular football game. If you're in the Pro Bowl, you're really not trying to tackle. You're really not trying to run, run hard. And you're, you're not trying to get hurt in a game that means nothing except for the winning team gets 80000 apiece. Each one of them, the losing team, they get 30 some thousand apiece. So um, by that fourth quarter, you started seeing you start seeing um, a pickup in play because then that difference of fifty thousand is on the line. Um, so there have been some complaints. There have definitely been complaints for the fans that that game is is again a shadow of itself and not real football. So they decided to kind of um, do away with that and come up with a, a different format. And that format, you know, um, is going to be played this year. So I'll ask you about the format in a minute, but I guess one of the questions I've had, is the Pro Bowl a consolation prize, number one? Number two, I think a lot of fans watched it because it was in Hawaii, and that was probably for a lot of fans the closest they were going to get to going to to the, that tropical paradise. Um, and, and I think also, even though I know that you said that the teams and the players were complaining, I think a lot of the, the their Families probably enjoyed the opportunity to go. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so um, especially to Hawaii. But, um, okay, so comment on what I just said. Yeah, I don't. I don't know if if the players consider it a consolation prize to be a pro bowler. It still has its own mystique to it. 
And um, from my standpoint as a sports talk host, but I would feel from the NFL itself, where you get in trouble is, though, is if Tom Brady is a pro bowler, but he's in the Super Bowl, he doesn't get to do both because the pro bowl is the week before the Super Bowl, and he could really care less um, about that particular, you know, about that game versus being in the Super Bowl. Um, So then you have to have a replacement for him. Um, and, and, and that happens. But to be voted a pro bowler um, means that amongst your peers and staff and, and everybody else that they saw in you at your position, you were the best at it, and that happens for each conference. So, no, I don't think um, – I don't think it's lost as, or that it's a consolation prize, um, for sure. I just think it's taken its turn and people want, and it's, you know, it's a part of the negotiating tool. If you are a pro bowler, um, you can put that in your hat because, of course, you can say, hey, you know, I made the Pro Bowl the last five years. I'm your best player at this position, not on your team, but in the NFL. So, no, I don't, I don't think it's a consolation prize. And by the way, they just announced um, on ESPN that Tom Brady has retired. Oh, okay. Good <laughs> to know. Um, oh, well, I, you know, <laughs> I, I went, well, we'll we'll see you know in august <laughs> i guess or september um how that holds but uh okay but you know i mean he has some other stuff lined up so um mm-hmm. i still say we'll see how that holds cuz he may decide okay i'm going to take a year i'm going to try this announcer thing or whatever it is um yeah you know, try he's going to have an announcement team with line. amazon with Amazon Prime, he has an announcement team. My apologies for interrupting. His announcement team and the contract waiting on him for three hundred and seventy-five million um, for so many years. So he can hop right to it. But that three seventy-five, three hundred seventy-five million is waiting on him. And yeah. um, he said once he finishes that, he would then head to the booth and um, be an announcement announcer. Yeah, and but I, I don't think it will have the same call as as playing, but I was just curious in, in terms of do you think he would probably go into the coaching staff or any type of management position? I I don't see that right now. Um, I, I think he's a young 45, and, you know, he has his own um, line of, 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 of nutritional products out there called TB12, and he mm-hmm. has his own um, – facility, training facility in in Boston where he was with the Patriots for so many years, um, and that's called TB12. So I don't I don't know if coaching is his seems to be his route. I think he wants to talk about the game. I don't know if he wants to get in the middle and and coach the game. I, I think he wants the business side of the game. Okay. Well, we're going to take a quick break here, and when we come back, I want to ask you about the NFL draft uh, in terms of its, I guess, significance. Or are the coaches getting it right? I guess I want to ask that. So I'm here with Princess Cooper. We are talking about uh, the upcoming Super Bowl, the Pro Bowl, um, the past uh, week's championship games and and just some related topics and uh we're not taking questions today because we're not really here but we wanted to kind of have this chat so the num well no i'm not giving out the number either this is g's power hour i've never had it so good entertainment and we will be right back having a wedding reception family reunion planning a banquet or some other fundraising event 
need to share your knowledge through a workshop or seminar, or it's a difficult time and you need to plan a wake or repast, let us help. At our gatherings, let us reduce the stress and make the occasion memorable, treasured. Call our gatherings at 407-968-9387 or email ourgatherings at yahoo.com. Let us help plan your special event. This is Douglas Dobbs of Dobbs Cremation and Funeral Service. We have served the Central Florida community for 29 years with quality funeral and cremation services. Honoring all religions and faiths, we have been here for many grieving families. Whether it's a complete funeral service with a burial or a simple dignified cremation, Dobbs Cremation and Funeral Service is here for you. Located at 430 North Kirkman Road at the 408 Expressway, Dobbs Cremation and Funeral Service, 407-578-7720. Dobbs, dedicated to serving our families. Good afternoon. Welcome back to G's Power Hour on Nevada So Good Entertainment. I am your host, G. Thanks so much for being with us today. Here with our CEO of Never Had It So Good Entertainment and Sports Networks and uh, technical producer here on G's Power Hour and just all-around great person doing a lot of good work in her community and uh, just trying to get her to slow down just a little bit so she doesn't tax herself too much. But um, I understand. I understand totally. So I want to ask about the NFL draft, okay, and whether or not it needs to be modified, um, if it's being manipulated, I guess, and um, are the coaches getting it right? And the reason I ask those questions is because, you know, there's almost, I've seen this year, there's almost a sense of rooting for a team to not do so well so that they can get the better pick in the draft and then other teams who are doing well wanting to negotiate with those teams that didn't do so well with regards to getting draft picks. Um, so that's one of the reasons I asked about um, if it's, if it's still, if it's, you know, working, if it's done the way it's supposed to be done and if it's being manipulated. Um, but the other reason I ask is if the coaches are getting it right is because it seems like um, the worst picks or the last picks, and I forget what they call that very last pick, but those picks seem to do much better than the people that are, you know, the number one draft pick. Well, um, and that last pick is called Mystery Relevant. Um, and yes. as a matter of fact, Mr. Relevant, Brock Purdy, um, performed well for the San Francisco 49ers. He was third on the depth chart this year. But um, <clears throat> I don't know if we can say that they're not doing a good job. When you have a player who has um, thrown for 5,000 yards, ran for two 2,000, um, has 31 touchdowns under his belt, throwing and, and, and running or whatever, and that is the best in in the conference and in college football, you would think that he's rising to the top of the charts. What we have, though, is a draft um, of these young men where they're picking potential. And sometimes you get that potential right, and sometimes you don't. Um, and that first round is always the the sexiest pick in the first round. But the meat mm-hmm. of who your team is is going to come from rounds um, two through six. Um, Tom Brady was picked in the sixth round. 
and and look at what happened with his career. But when mm-hmm. you're asking men um, to judge what other men are going to do in their future, that that's a crapshoot within itself. Um, when you're asking um, humans to say, okay, he's going to have a Hall of Fame career, we're picking him with our number two pick. It's a shoot. It's a, you know, you're rolling the dice for sure. I love the concept of the draft. I love it that they've taken it out of New York and they go to different NFL cities um, every year now. This year, they will be in Kansas City at the Chiefs um, Stadium. Um, They've gone to Nashville, the Titans. They've gone to Vegas. Um, They've gone to Dallas. Um, They've gone to Philly. So I think that traveling from city to city where where the NFL team is, I think that's powerful. And they put on such a good show and they revitalize whatever downtown area they're in. And it is amazing starting on Thursday night, then Friday, and then Saturday. But um, I do feel that they get it right most of the time and that those who are pick one through 32 that first round are usually successful, you know, I would say 90% of the time, there are going to be some busts, but that is normal if you're asking one human to tag another human as the next big greatest thing. I was kind of going through just uh, some quick clips of um, some articles about the when you mentioned Mr. Irrelevant. Thank you for clarifying that for me. Um, uh, there was an article or something, uh, who was the most successful Mr. Irrelevant. Um, they gave this to someone named Tyrone McGriff, uh, who uh, I guess in 1994. Um, but the person that came up in, I guess it's a CBSSports.com, uh, no, not, yes, CBSSports.com, ranking the top five Mr. Irrelevant players in NFL history. Uh, mm-hmm. One, Ryan Suckup. That's right. I was getting ready to say Ryan Suckup, kicker, for sure, came out of University of South Carolina, Ryan Suckup. And he was Mr. Relevant, and he's a kicker. If I'm not mistaken, he's a kicker for the the Buccaneers, isn't he? Yes, he is. Uh huh. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. <laughs> Done some great work. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and people, you know, I mean, you don't you don't talk about the kickers that much, you know, until clinch time, but they're the ones that kind of sometimes save the game. And if you're having, you know, I've seen a lot this season where, you know, people have got uh, some of these teams have gotten into the the red zone and stuff like that, and it's in you know the points that they've gotten have been from the kickers because they have not been able to make the touchdown, you know. And so the kickers are, are not <laughs> nothing to sneeze at. So, yeah. Um, yeah. But also, too, there have been some significant picks that have come uh, from uh, people that have not made the draft, right? I don't know what you mean by that. Ask that again. For example, well, no, I mean people that did not even um, enter the draft. You know, uh, are are those? I mean, now I could be getting the terminology wrong, but free agents or whatever. I mean, there have been stories about people who have just kind of walked out of other careers and gotten into football and not even entered the draft. Well, no, you don't really have to. Um, the draft is not the only way to be picked up to play in the NFL. You could have a free agent um, contract. And, and let's say for right now, 
there are 32 picks um, times six rounds. I don't know what that mm-hmm. is. You know, that's 180, 190, 200 players at most. And right now there's probably 5,000 college football players out there that would like to play in the NFL and hope to hear their name called during the draft mm-hmm. in April. And um, but if you don't get your name call, then there is free agency. And and um, after the soon after the draft, um, each team then calls different players and said, "Hey, we want you to be a free agent, and we're going to sign you, and then work you out." And so they then sign twenty, thirty of these players, and um, they then report to to camp at the end of April, beginning of May too. And some make the team, some don't. But, no, the draft is not the only way, of course, to, to get into the NFL. There's always um, the free agents right after the draft ends. ends. And then, of course, free agents, and, and, and you're able to pick up players throughout the year. So um, I, I, want, I guess I want to also ask about uh, – I lost my train of thought. But I uh, want to ask about uh, changing subjects a little bit. Players that are have this. It, we talked about Patrick Mahomes and we talked about his ankle. Uh, but at the beginning of the season or early in the season, it was Tua and the concussions. And to me, I was annoyed, aggravated, mad, whatever, about the fact that the I don't feel like the coaches really stepped in to support these players in saying that you need to come out because you've got, you know, you're the coach, you're kind of like the parent of the team and you need to tell these young players, okay, you need time to, to heal. And the player's like, no, but I want to play. No, you know, I'm trying to make a name for myself. No, no, no. I want, I want to go, you know, I need to help the team, whatever. Or, or, you know, so it could be unselfish reasons. It could be selfish reasons. But I think some of these young players are are losing sight of the long-term repercussions of whatever the injuries are. And I don't think the coaches are stepping up enough to say, you know, and yes, these guys are grown, but they're grown, they're men, young men. And we know that young men are not necessarily uh, completely uh, mentally formed (laughs) in their twenties or whatever. Uh, like they should be. So someone needs to say, no, you, you're not going to go back in. No, you're going to sit the season out. No, you're going to focus on some on, on getting better, and, and you're going to focus on your overall health so that the, your life after football, you know, worth living. You know, you're not sitting up there trying to figure out who you are and what day it is and all that kind of stuff. So I just wanted to get some opinion from you in terms of, what do you think the coach's responsibility is for these young players and how far should they go and uh, what, you know, should there be any type of penalty to the coach for not looking out for the player? Well, actually, um, and I can't remember the year, but it's probably been within the past two, three, four years. The coach does not have to make that decision anymore. Um, they are now spotters. Um, in the NFL, doctors in the stands, in the um, on the sidelines, who will 
um, spot a, a, a player who's having those symptoms that you can see or even the doctors on the sidelines. But the decision has been taken out of the head coach's um, hands um, completely, 100%. It is the doctors who will go to the coach and say he can't come back in. Um, once there are the, those symptoms being displayed on the sidelines, um, you know, then that it is taken out of the coach's hands. I think what happened in Tua's instance, though, is that um, he obviously displayed those symptoms in week one, and then somewhere down the line in week in this in that second week, the head coach, um, the doctors, the trainers, whomever, got together and said, "Okay, well, he looks good. I think he can go back in." And then that was that was that second, um, you know. Uh, concussion where he really lost conscious and, and his body went stiff. So then we go and then he sits out two weeks, two weeks, and then he goes back in there. Now, as a parent, I don't know if I'd let my child play the rest of the season. So I see where you're coming from, but um, I'm sure that he was, you know, clenching to get back in there, you know, trying to get back in there, itching to get back in there and convince the coach. So I see where you're coming from, but he has to be in the NFL before he can get back in there. So they've taken that decision out of the head coach's um, hands. Now, Tua sits out another additional two weeks, and he comes back and plays. He then himself, after two or three games, says he has those symptoms again. And once he has those symptoms again, and he actually took it upon himself to come back and say that to his coach, well, you have to then say this is not just about football. This is not just about the here and now. This is about his long-term health. And he had not he, – he didn't – then did not play – um, the rest of the season. But I see where you're coming from, and that's exactly what the NFL said to themselves and to the head coaches. For the most part, we have to take this decision out of your hands and put it in the decision of the doctors and then disperse doctors to every NFL game that are not just on your staff but are in the in the stands and on the sidelines to watch some of this behavior. But don't you think some of these doctors and health professionals are experiencing maybe some um, pressure from the coaches, from oh, I the others? I completely yep. agree. That's why they have tried to clean this up. I completely agree. I see where you're coming from. I just think the NFL has tried to um, uh, address it. Maybe not successful. But, yeah, I do agree, Yes. There's pressure on both sides. There's pressure to win, and if there's pressure to win, then there's pressure to to, to attain money because that's what winning does. It gets you mm-hmm. more money and gets more in your pocket. And if those two um, dynamics are there, then um, there's pressure to get you on the field. Um, I do want to go back to – I remember now one of the things I wanted to ask. This, I did want to address this, though, but one of the things I wanted to ask was something that you mentioned about – the 5,000 uh, players and, and the 200 selected, you know, and I know we were mm-hmm. uh, estimating, you know, generalizing on the numbers, but still, is do you think or should there be some kind of, in high school, in college or whatever, starting young, shouldn't there be some sort of backup plan? I'm, I'm, there's part of me that thinks that there needs to be some sort of requirement that, you know, you need to have a, a second career 
like football shouldn't be the career. I mean, yes, you have the fame and glory and the dollars for a little bit of time. It's not going to last that long. Everybody's not going to be Tom Brady in Mm -hmm. this game. You know, shouldn't there be some sort of, I don't know, career placement program or something to address the, the, um, And I don't know, maybe there's an argument that it is or it is not the NFL's responsibility. But still, um, I just think that there needs to be something that says, okay, this career is for a little bit of time. Um, And and I'm looking at maybe um, a couple of people, and I forget the other person I was thinking about earlier, but one is Tim Tebow. Okay, who everybody thought, you know, he was going to be it and everything and got in and and didn't do as well as he did in his college career. Uh, So, you know, he's having to, I guess, you know, pivot. And so, you know, he seems to be doing okay. It looks like he's getting some uh, career advice and everything. And so, like, he's doing, you know, I guess some investment or supporting supporting different I guess the businesses, I think PDQ is one restaurant that he's involved in, and another one is um, Clean Juice, and I don't know if it's just that he's endorsing it or he's or how what his involvement is in it, but I've seen him, um, his name and his uh, picture and presence come up with those businesses. But for a lot of the players, especially I think in the um, African-American communities, I don't think they're getting that type of guidance or support or, you know, to try to say, hey, okay, this may be only a couple of years, you know, maybe five years, whatever. Um, What happens after that? Well, Gretchen, um, several things you said there. Um, Coming out of college, Tim Tebow, the scouts all said that he was not a good pick. Um, that his wind up um, at, at quarterback, um, his his throwing motion was not conducive to the NFL. That someone mm-hmm. needed to have worked on it better. So, um, and I, and I think that all kind of played out. I thought his accuracy really took a hit when he was drafted by the Denver Broncos. He had a few. Um, really tantalizing games, and, and then he beat mm-hmm. the Steelers in the playoffs. And so, But there were a lot of scouts that said he wouldn't last in the NFL, and that, that came um, to fruition for sure. Now, mm-hmm. um, Tebow is on SEC um, Network, and he's been broadcasting with them now. Oh, good. I don't know. Mm-hmm. As, as long as he's mm-hmm. been out of the um, – the NFL, he's been broadcasting with ESPN and SEC Network. But that is not his biggest thing. Um, his biggest thing is his Tim Tebow Foundation, his nonprofit that brings in millions each year. Mm-hmm. And they really um, mm-hmm. focus on Down syndrome children and, and that sort of thing. You know, he's gotten married. Um, so mm-hmm. there's that T- Tim Tebow Foundation. And then he's speaking engagements. And he actually garners right. 500000 every time he speaks. So yeah. um, Tebow seems to be okay. Now, going back to right. what the NFL does to maybe um, secure your second career, make sure you have a backup plan, I don't know if the NFL does that. I do know that they have several symposiums and um, 
things throughout the year of a rookie and any other um, age of, of a player that wants to, and that's financial advising. Um, and they give them that. They actually, as a rookie, you have to go down. Tampa has the NFL Rookie Week or, yeah, it's a Rookie Week, where they, they start off with financial advising and telling you about your tax laws and da-da-da-da-da-da so that you can mm. invest your money. I don't know if you That's remember, good. and I may be getting off the subject, Ocho Cinco, no. Chad, um, yes. um, gosh, he actually, as a rookie, stayed at the, at the Bengals um, facility for two years. He said, why would I go anywhere else? He said, you know, my cafeteria's here, my facility's here, my workout's here, I got a bed here, I got, you know, gaming here. <laughs> he saved his money um, and never left the facility for two years until his coach came and said, okay, you got to get a little apartment. And he said what he did, he went and got a little one-bedroom. Um, as a matter of fact, he seemed to have been one of the jokes of the NFL, but he saved 83% of his entire salary because he mm. was he was very fiscal-minded. Um, mm-hmm. And I don't know, you know, and a lot of players aren't. You know, you get that, you give a 21-year-old, you know, $21 million a year, and you got yeah. yourself a problem. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And that's why I was saying, so. too, that, not just the players that make the NFL, but what about those that, that don't and have been, like, just hinging all of their, uh, you know, hopes and dreams on an NFL career and don't get in? Um, you know, is anybody – I think I think some some of what you talked about that they were doing in Tampa maybe needs to happen on a high school level. Well, the great thing now that Mm -hmm. has happened is that there's several leagues besides the NFL to go into. You can play in Canada. You can play in the XFL, which now is is getting ready to get started um, here Mm -hmm. in the spring. You can play in Mm -hmm. the USFL, which is now in the spring, or or there's professional arena football. So there's now four or five different platforms where you can play professional ball. Now, the NFL is the one that's handed out millions. If you're playing on any of those other levels, you're probably making 300, 400, 500, 600, 700 a year, a lot less than the NFL. But I don't, I don't, I've never had a year where I made 700,000 a year. So that seems appealing to me. So mm-hmm. all is not lost as of now. Um, and the new league, gosh, I can't remember his name, the XFL is, um, mm-hmm headed by The Rock. He owns that with the with the um, minority owner. So The Rock mm-hmm. owns the XFL, and here they come. So there's now options out there. But the overall, I see what you're saying. These young men get, you know, that focus. But you got to plan. I, I think it's advantageous to everybody that when you have a plan, have a plan B, too. Have a plan B. So then I'm, I'm thinking about what you're saying about these other leagues, and I'm thinking about our – uh, I guess creeping uh, every year more and more into Europe with the NFL. Do you think there are going to be uh, NF? Well, I guess it wouldn't be called NFL, but do you think there are going to be uh, pro football opportunities in, in Europe? Uh, you know, with with people taking a liking to to American football in Europe. Well, there is a U- Europe, um, a European league already, but um, okay. uh, there. As a matter of fact, my brother played in a in a league in, league in Spain at one time in the eighties or nineties. But um, mm-hmm. there are 
um, the NFL has expanded their their games over in Europe. As a matter of fact, they'll play in London. They'll play two or three times in Germany. They'll go back mm-hmm. to Mexico, which is right here in this continent. So the NFL mm-hmm. is, is continuing to expand their games over there. And I would venture to say in the next two or three years that we'll have a team in Europe. Um, I, mm-hmm. I think the NFL is definitely exploring that, to have a team in Europe that will have to fly over here and play. And then, you know, I, I think there will be – we're headed towards that particular um, path for sure. So I know we're just about ending. I know I, I've asked you a lot of different questions. Any, was there anything you wanted to touch on before we go? Gretchen, there's only one thing, and I wanted to say congratulations to um, Fish University. They have the first HBCU gymnastic team. Um, this is their inaugural year, and um, they have about 16, 18 um, meets on their schedule. Congratulations to Corrine Tarver. She was on our show a week ago um, on Sports Talk Atlanta talking about this venture and how they got to this point and how they're competing already. All right. Well, thank you very much for that. Congratulations to Fisk. Um, let's see. What what else we got going on? Because we, we've talked mostly about football, which, you know, the, I always like well, you know about what, football. Well, you know what, I'm sorry. I wanted to mention LeBron James is oh. um, 89 points from being the number one all-time scorer in the NBA. Um, Kareem oh. Abdul-Jabbar holds that record. And so that in the NBA is a new track. Everybody is tracking that. They say that with his average of 20-some points a game, he should break the record in Oklahoma next week. Um, wow. But he's down to 89 points um, to be even with Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, so he should break that record. Um, LeBron James is in year 20. He's 38 years old and still playing at a very high level. He's the only player to have scored 40 points against every team in the NBA. Wow, well, congratulations to him. Um, wishing him well with, with that. And um, so, yeah, I know you, who you're rooting for, and, and I, I wish you well. Um, what do you think the points will be like? And do you think uh, it's going to be more of an offensive or defensive uh, Super Bowl? I, I think the Eagles have one of the you know the the top defenses in in the NFL. So, but I'm still thinking they're going to score. Um, if I have to say this is not the case, if if someone mm-hmm. pinned me down, I'd say Eagles 28, um, uh, Chiefs 21. Um, I, I think the Eagles' offense is potent. Now I'm holding all hope and and going to God in prayer and, and and hope and 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 hope the Chiefs can can make me a liar out of them. But now, just professionally, what I've seen, I think the Eagles win win that game. Okay, all right, sounds good, sounds good. Princess, thank you so much. I appreciate you sharing this uh, show with me and giving me some. In- you gave me some really good insight. I'm glad I asked the questions that I asked. Um, and I'm sure other people wanted that aren't deeply into the the meat of of the sport probably appreciated getting some more of that insight too. So thank you so much, and have a blessed day. Amen. And thank you. Thank you. Thank you all for listening. Talk with you tomorrow. It's, it's the economy, you know. Uh, so we'll have uh, Paul Z. Shelton. We'll have Jabir Najir. This has been G's Power Hour on Never Had It So Good Entertainment. Be well, be safe, be blessed, and please remember, all real power comes from God. Take care.